Okay, so I'm sitting here. Dr. Elizabeth Loftus has been kind enough 10 more minutes on uh, false memories, which to me, this is really interesting stuff here um, and extraordinarily dangerous. And if I'm understanding your history correctly, kind of the thing that you've caught a lot of controversy and a lot of heat over is, is almost debunking um, memories that people claim to have resurfaced later on um, because you've done a lot of work. Uh, and how just how easy it is to take a memory and implant it in somebody's head. Um, how easy is that on a scale of one to ten? Well, out of whole cloth, if we want to just put something in there. Well, I'll just tell you um, the first study that we did um, when I wanted to, I wanted to figure out a way to plant a false memory for something that never happened. Not just change a detail about a, a crime scene uh, or an accident scene make them believe the car went through a red light instead of a green light, but actually plan a whole memory. It was a challenge because what kind of memory was I going to plant? Right. Um, I, 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 I was seeing these bizarre memories come out of questionable psychotherapy mm-hmm. where people were going into psychotherapy with depression or maybe an eating disorder and coming out believing they'd been raped in satanic rituals and right, so on. Right, right. I was obviously not going to be able to plan a false memory that your father raped you in a satanic <laughs> ritual. Not in a clinical trial anyway. There's uh, ethics uh, violations on that, but yeah. Right. And so, <laughs> so we eventually came up with the idea, why don't we try to get people to believe and remember that they were lost in a shopping mall mm. when they were five or six years old, a particular shopping mall with particular family members present and so on. And through just a few suggestive interviews, we got about a quarter of our ordinary men and women uh, to develop a partial or complete false memory. That was the first study where an entire false memory was planted. And the critics, uh, my critics, could see where I was going with this, that Mm -hmm. I was going to use this to question some of the practices in ongoing psychotherapy. Uh, and so they said, look, it, get, get, getting lost is so common. At least show us you can plant something that would be more upsetting or more um, violent or more traumatic if it had happened. And other investigators came along, we too, and planted false memories. You got attacked by an animal. You had a serious indoor accident. You had an accident at a family wedding. Uh, you committed a crime, a, a, a wrongdoing as a, as a teenager, and the police came to investigate and had great success in getting ordinary people to develop false mm. memories of these suggested events. So I know that now you can go pretty far with people in terms of getting them to believe and remember things that never happened. And that is with, and, and just, just so I understand this correctly, that is without any sort of pharmaceutical help. There, there, no drugs are involved. There's no hypnosis. There's no actual advanced, like mind altering techniques involved. You're talking about just talking to people. Right. There's, these, these are mostly done just talking to people. Hypnosis would be, you know, another way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think adding uh, psychopharmacology in the future to these mm-hmm. powerful behavioral techniques, you you may get even stronger effects. But wow. we did it without any um, physical intervention. Wow. It makes me wonder, like, if there's... I'm surprised this hasn't been weaponized by anybody yet. You know, I mean, it, it is such a... I mean, to be able to adjust someone's memory and implant false memories, which then adjusts their behavior, 
um, you know, what you've been able to do without the amplification of pharmaceuticals or advanced techniques. I mean, I can only imagine what you could do to someone with using those, utilizing that. Not to go to the dark side of humanity. I just no, feel like. No, and I think it's. I think it's possible that uh, that maybe some governments are doing that and yeah. telling their citizens a story of over and over and over about what happened when it's not really what happened. Right. Well, and you know, it, I guess it's kind of interesting. It's funny you brought that up because it's just made me think of something. You know, all the things that we claim to be true, especially in our history. We weren't here for like i don't know that the civil war happened right i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm just saying i wasn't there for it it happened 160 years ago but you read it in a book over and over again and all of a sudden it happened you know if if all of us appeared yesterday and then we had been told something over and over you can believe anything really um which which then calls into question people's belief systems like what can you believe not to get too you know philosophical but it's an interesting concept you know what do we believe what is true um, if you read it over and over again, you know? Right. Well, um, it, there are some major events where some of us were here. Mm. So if anybody who was over about mm -hmm. the age of eight when the Kennedy assassination happened right. can tell you something, many can tell you something about where they were when they heard the news. Mm -hmm. Or where were you when you heard the news about 9-11? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and these are these flashbulb memories. That's the name that has been given to them. Mm -hmm. People will be tell you the circumstances where they 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 learn the news, and when those reports have been investigated, it's been found that they're full of mistakes too. <laughs> wow, I mean that's crazy to think about. Um, so you know, as I mentioned before, I, I do like paranormal stuff, and and you know. It is, it's not my job to call into question people's repressed memories or things that have come up. But, you know, in one of the in one of the circles, there's there's people who essentially specialize in hypnosis. And through hypnosis, people have, you know, come to realize they've been abducted by aliens or, or things like that. And, you know, as someone who's interested in the phenomenon and, and wouldn't say that it's not true, when I hear those types of stories, I find them to be extraordinarily dubious, not because I don't think it could happen, but because I find it difficult to believe that through hypnosis that would happen or through or that it's so widespread and the people who, um, you know, a lot of the people who have these memories or who have these recollections um, seem to be mentally troubled in other ways, I guess I should say. Um, so I don't know that some of them are, you know, pretty healthy, some are for sure. uh, people. They typically have been hypnotized. And I think if you interview one, you need to ask this question. Mm -hmm. Why is it, why is it that these aliens who are abducting humans and bringing them up into spaceships don't ask any questions about our culture, our history, our, our, our all they want to know is about our reproductive organs. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, I will tell you, I mean, look, you and I, I could go down a rabbit hole on UFOs because I think there's an interesting answer to that. Um, is that w what if if they're monitoring us, they have access to all the stuff you're talking about? Like, I don't know if it's like Twilight Zoney aliens who are interested or like Star Trek who are interested in just kind of learning our culture. I think that there's probably an agenda that involves, you know, let's say it involved hybrid, hybridizing us with, with their DNA or something. 
then you need reproductive organs. You need to cut it out. You need to keep doing the same experiments on people. If they're that advanced, the types of things that you hear about over and over again in the story seems to be pretty um, mundane. It's like stuff we would do now, not an advanced civilization would do. Um, but I would say that 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 part doesn't trouble me as much. I guess I would say that they're um, you know fixated on reproduction. I mean, a lot of human beings are fixated on reproduction. You know, so, uh, okay. Uh, you know, um, but but I think it's interesting because you've done a lot of work on on you know, especially there, I think probably during the satanic panic in the '80s, people who claim to have been you know parts of these satanic rituals. Um, how is the person who's doing the hypnotic regression or who's trying to help out do you think that they're doing anything malicious um and if not why why would it be something as brutal as the stuff that would come up is that a big question uh well uh, let me just say that when i saw some of these therapists who had the belief that the patient's problems their symptoms their depression their anxiety their eating disorder whatever the symptom was had to be rooted in some horrible childhood trauma. They had a, a, a trauma agenda, and they were they oh, were going to dig for trauma, I and see. they were in the process. Uh, they created uh, memories of it, and that's partly how how you ended up with individuals with these horrific, lurid, graphic memories of bizarre things. And I, I, I think they actually believed in what they were doing. Mm. And there were experts, authoritative people, some of whom had MD degrees and specialties in psychiatry, who bolstered those beliefs. So they were kind of in the business of trauma, and they wanted to uncover something. So do you think it was suggestion that made them? Because, I mean, these are a lot of them are pretty graphic. A lot of them are very detailed. Um, and obviously, we, you know, you've mentioned and proven that, that that's relatively easy to do, but there has to be a source, right? There has to be some reason why they come up with that story. And, and so how, why do you think that was the story that came up? I, I, because if they're really bad symptoms, there must be a really mm, bad mm. cause. That so makes let's, sense. let's find the really bad cause. And, and it can't just be somebody hurt your feelings. It's got to be something more, more gruesome. Right. So do you think repression uh, is a real thing? Do you think as a defense mechanism, people can hide memories that they've had? I, I think people cannot think about things for a, a long time and be reminded uh. of them. I mean, that even unpleasant things uh, yeah. and then be reminded of them. You just have to go to a high school reunion. You can experience that <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> but but um, that's ordinary forgetting and remembering. Uh -huh. Whether, I mean, we can take years of brutalization, wall it off, um, be completely unaware of it, reliably recover it through therapy. That's what Rich McNally from Harvard has called folklore. Really? Okay. Well, let me ask you another question. And this is probably, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm totally behind the times on some of my stuff here, so I apologize. But what about, and this just kind of came to me now, but what about people who can have, you know, I know it's not it's called multiple personality disorder anymore, but let's say people who can have different personalities or diff different memory chunks, right? So like this person remembers this thing, this person remembers this thing. Um, how does that kind of kind of work? Well, there and does two, that exist anymore? Uh, so, so it, it's Am I conflating? Called, Am I conflating? Uh, no, it, it's called dissociative identity That's disorder, DID now. Right. But I still call it MPD because we did for so long. Sure. Civil, Three Faces of Eve. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, there are two theories. 
the believer, the, the, the true believer, people can have the experience and can feel as if they have different personalities. How'd they get that way? Mm. Did they get that way because of horrific childhood trauma? Or did they get that way through suggestion, through the psychotherapy and the culture that essentially created this condition? And that's the debate. That's the debate. And there are many people who believe that these um, this small subset of practicing mental health people were creating these conditions. Hmm. So would that, and I guess the way it relates to you is, does that create different pockets of memory? Or is it all still, you know, one thing? Well, I, I mean... I, I worked on many cases where um, people went into therapy with their eating disorder, depression, anxiety, whatever, ended up with one of these questionable therapists who uh, made them believe that they were multiple personality patients and, and had all, uh, forced into satanic rituals and so on. Ultimately, they came to realize their memories were false, and a number of them, hundreds, sued their former therapists for wow. planting false memories. That's a hard thing to prove, I imagine. Well, they got multi-million dollar verdicts wow. and settlements. The largest one was a $10 million settlement against a psychiatrist in Chicago and the hospital where these false memories were created. It's just crazy because when you even talk about like a legit, you know, by the numbers, you know, criminal case. It's hard enough with people's eyewitness testimony, much less you're now saying that someone else has created false memories. That's got to be a, I mean, you've been yeah. brought in an expert witness on a lot of this stuff. Right. That's got to be difficult to, to make understandable to a jury or to a judge or to anyone. It's, it's complex well, stuff. Sometimes, you know, in the case of one psychiatrist in Minnesota, there were multiple patients. So, so uh. who went through the common group therapy and common experience. And so you had other patients saying, she did this to me too. Hmm. I mean, it, it's interesting stuff. W one last question, you know, and it's another pop culture reference, and I think you probably haven't seen it, but Making a Murderer, have you... Uh, is that the Stephen Avery? Stephen Avery. Avery. Uh, so the reason why I'm asking is the Brandon Dassey portion of that yes. seems to be right in the false memory wheelhouse Given his um, intelligence and given the ex the leading questions and the the creation of a story to a, to a kid, this feels like rife with a, you know, very fertile ground for for false memories. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think f from everybody I have talked with about making a murder, people seem to um, uniformly believe that the the nephew was completely innocent and persuaded and coerced, even if they are still having questions about Stephen Avery and his participation. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, he was subjected to, I think, coercive and suggestive interrogation techniques and said things that um, were created through that process. And it's interesting because, you know, much like the stuff that you're talking about with the satanic rituals, a lot of the stuff he said happened are in line with that horrible, you know, um, sadistic behavior that Stephen did. And he was one of the main eyewitnesses to putting Stephen in jail. Um, but it's, you know, it almost seems like, yeah, I'm no expert, and that's why I'm asking you, but it almost seems like a very clear-cut case, at the very least, 
Whether it's true or not, it definitely falls into reasonable doubt territory on whether these memories are true or not. And again, as you're talking about proving false memories, how, how do you do that without knowing what really happened? Right. Well, sometime you can just sometime if you have a handle on the techniques that were used mm. uh, to mm. lead to these memories, then you can say this is. I don't like the way this sausage was made. Right. Right. Um, well, I don't think I can think of a better way to end it than I don't know if this how this sausage was made. I think that that's very true. Does that work sometimes when you can you really think like, hey, this is kind of this smells a little funny. Like, uh, let's let's investigate this more. Does that happen sometimes? Well, with that, you? That's what I do when I get involved in court cases. So I'm looking to see who the sausage another, maker was. Yes, exactly. Who made this sausage? You know, just, how did they do it? Right. Um, <laughs> that's that's fascinating. Well, Dr. Loftus, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you for taking this extra time out for me. Thank you. And I thank everyone for listening. Have a good night.